0: Thank you, musicians. We appreciate you this morning. If you have your Bibles, Psalms chapter 91. Psalms chapter 91. In light of all the fears and the panic from the uh, virus that's going on, I guess the question I want to ask is where do Christians or people of faith stand this morning? Uh, I mean, it feels like you're in the midst of this panic, not knowing which way to turn. And a lot of the it's, it's like a current that you get caught up into, you know what I'm saying? And if you don't get caught up into it, you won't have any toilet paper. <laughs> it's just like <laughs> you won't have anything, you know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. But anyways, whether you like it or not, amen, you do have to kind of get caught up in the stream of things, kind of the stream of the panic and just able to get by. I'm going to look at faith in the midst of crisis this morning. I want to address this this morning. I figure now is a good time because, well, here we are, right? Psalms chapter 91. Psalms chapter 91, the the title of the the psalm in my Bible says, Safety of Abiding in the Presence of God. Safety in the Abiding of the Presence of God. And that's what I want to kind of look at this morning, this idea of who we are, amen, and where we stand in things. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked, because you have made... The Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. for He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the young lion and the serpent. You shall trample underfoot because he has set his love upon me. Therefore, I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. I want to look at faith in the midst of crisis. And I want to kind of look at three different thoughts. And obviously this is in the context of the virus that's going on. I want to look at the crazy and the serious and I'm going to consider the crazy, like like I said, you know, people buying the toilet paper. And I was just on the coast last week in Seaside. And so when I started seeing all this, I told my wife, we probably might want to go. Because I can't remember how much toilet paper we have in our house. Who thinks about that stuff, right? It's like, honey, we got the last roll. Put it on your list. You know, that kind of thing. It's, well, I don't know. So I said, you know, maybe we might want to go to the store pick some up, because I don't know how much is at home, you know, and it seems like people are going crazy, and so I have access to a television when I'm out there, so we're watching all the news sites, and it's just empty shells, I'm thinking, that's nuts. Well, they were empty in Seaside. (laughs) (laughs) You're walking it in, and you're like, it was just absolutely crazy. I thought, my goodness, we did actually pick up a little bit, you know, but, uh, you know, it was just, I mean, uh. I guess people are doing it maybe for fear that they might get stuck in their homes for a long period of time in the isolation and whatever, and you got to have all this stuff. I tell you, first of all, it's driven probably by the media the most part. And I'm not, I'm not saying it's a conspiracy. I'm not saying that it's not true. I'm just saying it's a constant feed. That's what I noticed, that it's just constantly feeding. You turn on the TV station, you turn to any talk show, what do you think they're talking about? the coronavirus. And they're all saying the same thing over and over and over again. You go to this station. Well, what you need is you need to cough in your elbow and you need to wash your hands. Click it over to Dr. Oz. Cough in your elbow. Wash your hands. It's like everybody's just saying it over and over again. You go to the news. Every half hour, there's an update. Even though there's nothing's happening. We want to just give you an update. And uh, okay, what's new? Nothing's new, but we just want to keep you updated. To Updated about what? Nothing's been updated. You know, and it's just constant every new station, and it's just a constant blitz, a constant, you know, and again, it's not a conspiracy, but it's just like, it's just over and over and over again, question and answers. people are asking the same questions on every station and getting the same answers on every station, and most of the questions don't have any answers to them. I mean, think about this, yesterday, there was a, there was a headline in England, coronavirus death toll in UK doubles in 24 hours. I mean, that right away, it's like, it's doubled! What's well, 21? 10 people died, every single one of them were, were older people that had health issues. It's not like it's just killing the average guy walking down the street. And on top of that, you got the Colvin brothers in Chattanooga, Tennessee, who yesterday they had seventeen thousand seven hundred bottles of hand sanitizer, selling them on the internet between eight and seventy dollars a bottle. So you got people in the midst of all this panic. You know, what I mean, they're looking to make a buck. You know what I'm, you know what I mean? Buying all the masks, buying toilet paper. They show this guy's garage. You know, sanitizer up to the roof. They what they did was they got into a U-Haul and just started driving. Once they they pick up on these trends. That's what he does for a living. He just starts driving everywhere in the south, southeast, going to every shop, buying everything he can get his hands on. And now he's trying to sell it for absolutely, they're going after him, I think, but anyway. And so, you know, I understand there's a lot of craziness going on. And so, you know, you got to be careful. Because secondly, it is serious. It really is serious. Uh, being saved means we think. We rely upon wisdom. We rely upon understanding. We are not following fables and crazy stories. We have a logical faith. We serve a logical God. Amen. Amen. And we are, we are told to have wisdom. Amen. Proverbs 9, 6, forsake foolishness and live. They're put together for a reason, right? Forsake foolishness and live and go in the way of understanding. Verse 11 of that same chapter, for by me, wisdom, your days will be multiplied and years of life will be added to you. <clears throat> because you're being smart. Amen. Because you're, you're, you're dealing with, with you know, the serious. Listen, this stuff is spreading like wildfire. Okay is spreading like wildfire, people are dying from it. Europe now is the epicenter of this virus. And that's what it is. This, is, this is a virus, it's no different than any other virus. It's like a flu virus, a cold virus, even pneumonia virus, if you have that kind of a pneumonia. It acts the same way, amen, it's just like a typical virus. If you look at the sick map, and I'm not a doctor, okay, so you know, you might have some other facts and figures, don't, you know, like throw me under the bus, okay? <laughs> But if you look at the, the sick map, where is everybody getting sick, the majority? It's in the Northern Hemisphere. Why is the Northern Hemisphere? It's because it's wintertime. You're not hearing about it so much from the Southern Hemisphere, unless people are flying into these certain countries, but most of the people in the Southern Hemisphere are not getting sick. It's just like you. When is flu season? They don't tell you to get the flu shot in July. They tell you to get the flu shot in September, October, November, because you're coming into flu season. Cold season. All of a sudden, you see all the NyQuil ads. You see all the, you know, vitamin C ads come about because it's virus season. And so, you know, this thing is going to be moving this time of year like any other virus is. Amen. So it is just that. It is a virus. People die from the flu every year. According to my Internet search, somebody else searched it said there was more, but th- according to the internet search, 14,000 people have already died of the flu this year. 14,000. The truth is, many more survive. You see what I'm saying? I understand it's, it's serious. People are dying from it, but people are surviving it. The coronavirus, this is yesterday at noon, okay? They said, I don't know where they get their numbers, I don't know how accurate they are, I'm just giving you facts off the internet, well, facts, whatever. Coronavirus, 5,814 have died, 74,438 have recovered. You see what I'm saying? And so, it it is, you know, uh, it's, it's like the flu. The people that are dying the most are the most vulnerable. People that are older, that have weaker immune systems, people that have sicknesses, and by and large, they're all getting, you know, they're people in their older ages. As you get older, your immune system breaks down. And so you would take precautions the older that you get. Why? Because it's smart. It's smart to stay away from the public place. It's smart to do those things. Because you gotta come to facts here that, you know, your susceptibility is higher than other people. What I'm saying is, you know, I just believe it's wise to take precautions. From the typical washing your hands. Well, I hope you're washing your hands before the virus. (laughs) You know what I'm saying, you know what I mean? But wash your hands, you know, cough into your elbow, stay at home if you're sick. You don't have to come to church if you're sick. Stay home. It's like people coming to church with lice. I haven't figured that one out ever. How are you doing? yeah, I got lice. What are you doing here? Critters are popping off your head like popcorn. It's like, (laughs) go home. Get some turpentine or something. Get rid of the things. Come back tonight. Oh, you don't believe God? I believe God, but I also believe lice can jump on my head. Why are we getting all spiritual about it? It's just common sense. Go home. Get rid of your lice and come back to church. They started that stuff in England. They didn't want to tell. I mean, kids would be sitting in class in England when we were over there in the 90s. I mean, the lice would be like they kind of on a gym set doing flip-flops and, and, you know, and high-fiving each other. And the teacher would just be like saying nothing. It's like, well, why don't you tell the kid to go home? We don't want to embarrass them. And so everybody's kids got lice. Yep. The whole thinking classroom's got lice. It's like, why? Because we didn't want to tell so-and-so. Man, <laughs> she some common sense. Just, you know, just you don't have to announce it, bring her up to the chalkboard and say, this kid is filthy in disgusting." You don't do that. <laughs> you just tell the mom, hey, you know, I think your daughter's got some lice. It happens, right? You might want to keep her home, get some RID, and get rid of it. We won't tell anybody. Nobody has to know. Anyways, that's lice. We're talking about a virus, right? (laughs) They're saying eat a lot of vitamin C. I don't know. I don't eat a lot of vitamin C anyways, but maybe even the large gatherings. You know, be more vigilant in public places. And again, if you're more susceptible to the virus, uh, it's like any other virus, right? You just take precautions, right? You take precautions. One thing for sure, I tell you, it's not something to play games with. It really is serious. It's just good old common sense. I'll tell you, it'll go a long way. Amen. They say most people are just dealing with a cough and a fever. By and large, most people are just, they're not dealing with these severe things. You know, Pastor Foley was sick a week and a half ago. We usually meet on a Wednesday. We, text. we get a text, you know, and he says, I'm sick. We're not going to meet. Well, last Wednesday, they didn't meet either because he says, I'm still not 100%. You know what that's called? That's just called common sense. I'm still feeling a little under the weather. I will stay home. You can stay home because I don't want you to catch what I have. It's nothing extra spiritual about it, amen. It's just simply common sense. Just use your head, think, and listen to what's being said. Eat the meat, spit out the bones, and... I don't know. Things are changing real fast. Let's look secondly at fear and faith. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Fear can stop you in your tracks. We can fail to act for God because of fear. Timothy is being talked to by Paul. Amen. And he, Paul is literally telling Timothy, you know, fear is affecting everything. It's affecting how you view me. It's affecting how you view God. It's affecting how you're doing the will of God. Amen. Um, you, know, it, it, you know, that's how fear works. How you view God, how you feel people. Amen. It is a spirit that will hinder uh, our walk with God or at least try to hinder. That's why I read our text this morning, because we are people of faith. Faith doesn't mean we don't think, amen. We are thinking people. But the idea of faith is that I face life with God's help. I face life with God's guidance. I face life with God's protection. And so, yeah, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to bump elbows and I'm going to cough in my elbow and I'm going to, you know, uh, 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 what else we got to do? Stay home when I'm sick and whatever, you know, all those kind of things. I don't know, whatever, all these things they say. Wash my hands, there you go. I'm gonna wash, you know, but you know, I realize that, you know what, I'm also going to lay hold of the living God. I believe God cares for me. I believe God overshadows my life. I believe He makes the difference in my life. That's exactly what that psalm was pointing out. And I stick with that, amen. You see, a lack of faith means I face life in my own strength. In everything, amen. I face life. I face my fears in my own strength. No, I don't want to do that. I, I face life with God on my side. I face life, if you will, with God helping me and his wisdom, amen. He delivers. He covers me. I, I don't need to be afraid. He protects me. He's my refuge. Amen. Verse 9. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, nor shall any plague come near your dwelling. Because I have made God my shelter, my hope, my trust. Listen, faith is a choice. I'm just not a person of faith. No, faith is a choice. I choose to take God at his word. I choose, amen, to take his scriptures, engage my will and say, God, your word says... And I'm clinging to your word. I am believing you. I'm believing your protection. Amen. I think I read this quote not too long ago. It says, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. This is honoring God above my feelings. Honoring God above what other people say. It means being dedicated to, you know, being obedient to God no matter what. I'm going to live for God God, God always has actions over obedience that he wants you and I to do. The issue is not how do I feel, amen, is what should I do or maybe what should I be doing. Faith is relying upon God's power that he is able, that God helps us, that he does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. That's what I'm counting on. I'm counting on the God that going to overshadow my life i'm counting on the god that i serve that's going to protect me i think he has a plan for my life i think he has a future for my life all that stuff rolls into the god that i serve and yes i need him yes i call out to him yes i ask god to protect me like pastor mitchell says he says i pray every day god renew my youth like the eagle because he finds that in scripture He's not just relying upon genes or just he's got this superhuman strength. He prays every day and believes God to renew him. He knows the day is going to come where he's going to step from this world to the next, like every one of us. But while I'm here, amen, God strengthen me. God protect me. God overshadow me. God, I want your blessing and favor upon my life. I live for you, amen. I know you owe me nothing, amen, but your word says, I have made you my refuge. I have made you, amen, my habitation. I serve you. I live for you. You are the God that I serve. He comes through in the difficulties of life. He has before. He will again. You know, it's the same thing with provision. I believe the scriptures, given; it shall be given. I believe that if you give, God will open up the windows of heaven. I believe these things. I believe that I can call out to God if financial problems come up uh, and God's going to help me. Because he has in the past, his word says he, ha- he will, and I know he will in the future. At the end of the day, we live by faith, amen. There's nothing wrong with saying, I believe God. I'm believing God. God, amen. My reliance is upon him. I know he's looking out for my life. He is my stability. He is my rock. And it's my faith that extinguishes the fear. When fear wants to rise up and says, you know what? There's some things I have no, I can't do anything about. You know what I'm saying? It's like, well, you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. I Okay, I'm going to be smart. I'm not going to go hang out with, you know, a group of people, but so to speak. But at the same time, I got to live. I serve a living God. And somewhere along the line, you have to find that balance, and I have to find that balance. I mean, I know we're not, we're not you know, shaking hands. But everybody touched the offering plate this morning. <laughs> I mean, where do you draw the line? You know, nobody touched the door. You know, we're all doing this. You know, God help me. I'm going to use as much wisdom as I can. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time. I need the advantage. You're my protector. You're my refuge. You're my strength. And if my time is up, then take me home. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm not wishing a death wish. You know, I'm not just going to ride the Max. <gasps> <You> know, <clears throat> But I live for God. Let's look lastly at the irrational <clears throat> and end times. As I said earlier, the, as we said, this place is going crazy. One thing for sure, I tell you, a sinful man is very consistent, right? Everybody trying to rip everybody off, <laughs> bind up everything. Yeah. Who cares about anybody else, man? <laughs> it's like, but there's going to be a time, and possibly we're seeing signs already, where things are going to be very irrational to you and I. It's not going to be business as usual. I mean, what I mean is more's going on than what meets the eye. <clears throat> you know one thing that, I, I've never seen this before, you know. But when we went to the store on the coast, because I'm thinking to myself, this is not here. Portland's crazy, you know what I'm saying? Seaside, no. When I went there and saw whole shelves empty with toilet paper, I was just like, wow, it's it's everywhere. People are just really alarmed. But the thought that really kind of hit me, it made me immediately, and my wife said the same thing, it made me immediately think of the end times. It's the first thing that popped in my head. It was almost eerie feeling, you know what I mean? That certain products were gone and just seeing the empty shelves. You know, Paul says in the last days, men will be lovers of self and pleasure and money and so on. It'll be the ultimate selfish self in everything. And it's true. We are living, obviously, in the last days. Where we're at exactly, I don't know. But we are moving faster than we probably really know and really think. Jesus had no problem about the end times. When you look in Scripture, the disciples had no problem with talking about the end times. Jesus is saying things, and they're saying, when will these things be? And so God is pretty candid when he says the end is going to come. That the time is going to be wrapped up. History is going to come to an end. God's going to wrap this thing up. He talks about it in Matthew 24. He says, verse, verse 3 through 8, Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? What will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And so there's kind of like three questions there. Jesus answered and said to them, "Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, "I am the Christ and will deceive many." And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. that see that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, there will be famines and pestilences. That's what this virus is. It's considered a pestilence. And earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrows. Amen. That there's a point in time where things go beyond just life as we know it. That there's like an acceleration to things. That there's things that are transpiring. That they're outside of just normal life. They're outside of man going, okay, we're going to get this under control and move on. There's going to come a time when things are not going to come under control. This text mentions, again, pestilence, which is, I'm saying, this is exactly what we're dealing with right now. This is a pestilence, amen. This is not new, I understand that. But we're living in a time when, you know, at the same time, you're reading articles about eradicating diseases. You're reading articles, even people saying that we can, there's a possible, and I know this is kind of out on the limb, they're saying we can live forever. And so they're talking out of one side of their head, and all of a sudden we have something Uh, uh, called, you know, the coronavirus, and we can't do anything about it. It's totally out of our control. It's a pandemic. It's reaching all over the globe. Now, we know we're not going to live forever, but when we look at these end times, the frequency of the end times events increase as the day of Christ's return approaches Kingdom against kingdom, it's actually the picture of a tribe against a tribe. It's not talking about nation against a nation. It says that already. Kingdom against kingdom is actually is, is actually factions within a nation, not necessarily two sovereigns, amen. We're already seeing the polarization even in our own nation where all of a sudden our nation is starting to polarize into two or three different groups, amen, all against one, one another. It means we're going to become divided even within our nations. Not making any, you know, predictions. I'm just saying this is a global pandemic. Amen. Think about it. Our world in many ways is coming to a halt from a virus. You can't even see it. It, It's under a microscope. You can't even see the thing. And yet the whole world is, is grinding to a halt. In many places, look at the stock market. It's just, everything is, it's affecting so many different ways of life. And it's, it's so small, you can't even see it. It's just a virus. We're sitting back waiting for others to tell us what to do. See, this starts to set the stage for the one rule one world ruler, amen. The Bible calls the Antichrist, looking for that one person that is going to tell us what to do. All from a virus. You know, we're living in America. We're very free. I understand that. But we're waiting, we're waiting for the country to be shut down. They talked this morning. The headlines was some doctors coming out saying, you know what? We need to stop our country for two full weeks. In other words, every one of us go home and stay home for two weeks. Nobody goes nowhere. Nothing's open. Nothing's happening. I mean, this is America. I mean, China, you can understand, you know what I mean? Because they're used to that kind of stuff. They can leave their house and then be told you can't go home and they don't go home. You know, it's just the way it is. It's, it's a communist regime. They work that way, it works that way. But over here, it's a little different. And yet we're sitting here thinking, you know what, that's what we need to do. We need the government to tell us what to do. We need somebody to tell us how to live crazy we know that in the end times things will come down which are totally out of our hands and Jesus is telling us this is the way things will be we know that there's a spiritual agenda at work of course God wrapping up history wrapping up time but the question is where are we at in this where are we to stand amen Where things, you know, as we see things start to take place? Because Jesus says one thing, and he says it four times in this whole chapter of 24. He uses the word deceive or deception. That in this time, people are going to go astray. They're going to be drawn in different directions. That there's going to be a very deceptive time for the church. I see it already. I see things today. The church is being pulled in so many different directions, believing this and believing that. It's just crazy. I mean, the, the picture, the, the picture of the church has changed so much just in my little lifetime. And so Jesus gives us some guidelines. The one word that he uses to describe the end times for you and I is to watch. Watch is the word that's used in the end times scenario, meaning to be alert or to be vigilant, to stay awake, to be active. And it's interesting in Matthew, after his end times discourse in chapter 24, he immediately goes into three parables. Three parables that describe you and I. It goes now down to the individual, you and I, amen. Amen. And I believe this is the posture in light of the end times. He starts out with the parable of the ten virgins. And that's a real scary parable, amen, because they're all virgins. They're all looking for the bridegroom, Jesus, to come back. Five make it and five don't. Five were wise and five were foolish. And all I can say is that, you know what? You need to take care of your salvation. You need to be ready, amen. Prepare yourself, stay close to God. Have an expectancy for God. Keep that sense of urgency, amen. So many Christians are getting to be so casual about living for God. Because you're seeing a lot of people so casual about living for God. And you're being drawn in the same direction. That's not what Jesus said. He said, listen to me. In the end times, five made it and five did not. They all had lamps. They all had, they all had the same kit. Five were ready, five were not. Five were wise, five were foolish. And it's foolish to think you don't have to be ready. You don't have to look out after your, your walk with God. You must be ready. You must know in yourself, amen, my heart is right with God. I'm living for God. I am serving God with my whole heart. There's an urgency to my salvation. You can be urgent about your job. You can be urgent about, you know, where you're going on vacation. You can be urgent about a lot of things. But let me tell you something. You need to be urgent about living for God. That needs to be your top priority. That's what he's trying to say in the end times. There's an urgency. He gives us another parable. He gives us the parable of the talents. Men were given talents. They were given amounts of money would be the best way to describe that. And they were held accountable for what they did with what they were given. And it means that, you know, now's the time to serve God, to serve his agenda, his plan for your life. Give yourself to serving God. Amen. What are you doing for God? What opportunities are you taking advantage of for God? because we are called to serve. We looked at that this morning, vessels of honor in the Sunday school. Vessel of honor is just a vessel that serves. It was a vessel that anybody could ask a drink from. It had a certain look. It was the vessel of honor. that Anytime anybody could say, I need a drink, you'd have to let down your vessel of honor and give them a drink. It's a serving vessel. It serves people. It serves one another. It serves the lost Isn't that what Christianity is? Think of others higher than yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. Even love your enemies. I mean, you know, we, we go out on the limb. So he's talking in the end times. He says, you know what? The posture you need, first of all, is you need to have a sense of urgency about your walk with God. But you also need to serve God. Serve people, serve God. Serving people and serving God are one and the same. Just like Matthew 25 said, right? When you did it unto one of these, you, at least of these, my brethren, you did it unto me. That's serving God. Serving God's not some mystical thing. Are you serving? Oh yeah, I'm serving the Lord. How are you doing that? Well, I'm just like serving Him. Okay, how are you doing that? It's a question we all have to ask. What are you doing to serve God? Don't be give me that mystical thing. Well, you know, He's in my heart and you know, I'm, I, I serve Him in my own kind of way. It's like... No, if your service doesn't go towards people, let me ask you something, are you really serving God? Because at the end times in this same chapter, which we're going to look at next, he's going to separate the sheep from the goats. And that's the third parable. The parable of the sheep and the goats. And I think what this speaks to is, is Jesus Lord of your life? Is he leading your life? And again, this will be especially evident in the realm of serving others, seeking the lost, helping new believers, encouraging older saints or just saints in general, amen. It means you become part of the flock of God. Sheep gather. Sheep follow. Goats don't means you're being in a place where you can be led. That God, through a shepherd, amen, can lead you and guide you. See, sheep follow. And that will ultimately lead them down the path to others, amen. That This is what this parable is pointing out, amen. See, goats, you know what goats want? They just want to butt heads. They just want to butt heads, eat trash, and follow no one. That's what goats do. Amen. They're going to miss what God would have for them. Amen. Because that's all they want to do. They think for themselves. Nobody's going to tell them what to do. You need to follow. I'm a goat. I'll eat what I want. I'll go where I want. I'll do what I want. And I ain't following nobody. Well, let me tell you something. At the end times, Jesus is going to separate the goats from the sheep. He knows. He knows. He says, no, you're a goat. Depart from me. I never knew you. So the conclusion, what we're seeing today, obviously, is a serious matter. Be smart, be cautious. Don't be seized with fear and panic, amen. God is our refuge. Put your trust in his word and his promises. Pray. Pray God's word over your life. Amen. Believe God's word. God, your your word says. Your word says, amen. Remember to... This looks so much like the end times. It's just a good time to examine ourselves, watch and be ready. Look out for others along the way, amen. It's a good time to tell others about Jesus. Yes, amen. amen, because this thing, our whole world is being manipulated by something you can only see under a microscope. Think about that. You can only see it under a microscope. You can't even see the thing. You can't even put your finger on it. It's just there. People don't even know they have it until they've had it for two weeks. And it's, 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 it's a pandemic running through the world. Amen. And if, that, if that's not an end time scenario, I don't know what is. We need to be like people in the end times. Vigilant. A sense of urgency. A sense of serving. Amen. Faith a time of crisis, let's bow our heads this morning.